Welcome everybody in the name of Jesus. It's so good to be in the house of God. And I want to preach this morning, continue a series. You all know about it. The life and ministry of Jesus Christ. And I must say, sometimes it's not easy. So I have to preach what is on in the reading as I go on. And I can't say like, oh, well, I like this better than that and, uh, and so on. Once you're committed to Jesus, you go all the way with Jesus. Amen? Whether it's hard or, hard or not, you keep going. And so it's with me as well. I've committed myself to preach about the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. And this morning, I want to preach on a private messianic Bible study between Jesus and his disciples. Jesus had Bible studies with his disciples. Did you know that? Yes? And he studied with them the Bible. And he wanted them to understand the Bible. He wanted them to understand the prophets. He wanted them to understand everything that was in the Old Testament. And the Old Testament and New Testament is the same, the same Spirit, the same God. Amen. Hallelujah. It's not true, as people say, the God of the Old Testament was always an angry God. No, no, no. You don't know the Bible. The God of the Old Testament was as loving as the God of the New Testament. It's the same God. Hallelujah. Praise the wonderful name of Jesus. And uh, this morning, Life and Ministry of Jesus Christ, part 86. So, and I'm looking forward to what God is going to say to us. Uh, let's read the scripture in Luke chapter 18, the verses 31 to 34. Then he took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold! We are going up to Jerusalem and all things which are written through the prophets about the Son of Man will be accomplished. Jesus had something in front of him and he knew about what is going to be. And then all these things that were written about me, the Son of God, in the Old Testament, by Moses and, and by the prophets, all these things will be accomplished. And ye could observe my life. And he is making now Bible study with them. Hallelujah. What about a Bible study with Jesus? Then you learn something, don't you? If you have a Bible study with some uh, pastors or preachers or, or even professors, that's all their ideas. But if you have a Bible study with Jesus, you get the idea. And I wish that this morning we all would get the idea of what Jesus was talking about. For he will be handed over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and mistreated and spit upon. And after they have scourged him, they will kill him. And the third day he will rise again. Hallelujah. But the disciples understood none of these things. 
and the meaning of the statement was hidden from them and they did not comprehend the things that were said. Heavenly Father, I thank you that we are together here this morning as your people, the people of God. And Lord, we pray that you might explain by your Holy Spirit your wonderful scripture that everyone of us might understand why and what you went through. We thank you. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will give grace for me to speak your word and give grace to listen to your word. And also, I pray, give grace to act upon your wonderful word in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Jerusalem, the cross and Calvary, was not hidden before Jesus. All these things Jesus knew. Jesus explained to the disciples the course of his life, what is going to come in his life. Jesus spoke often about his redemption or redemptive death on Calvary or he is going to die. The disciples had troubles to understand it at all. Now, after Jesus was risen from the dead, so he was on the road of Amos with a few other disciples and uh, they were actually amazed that somebody here was asking and didn't know what happened a few days before in Jerusalem. Are you the only one who doesn't know? And all of a sudden, if you read there in Luke chapter 24, verse 25 to 27. And he said to them, O foolish men, and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into His glory? Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, Jesus knew the Bible. Hallelujah. Isn't it good? He knew the Bible. And there's something great about Israel at all. And there's this. At Jesus' time, every child was able to read the Bible. They were educated. Amen? Jesus could read the Bible. And when He came there for 12 years to the temple, and all the Pharisees and all these, these men were astonished about what Jesus said and the knowledge He had. Hallelujah! They were wondering, where has He got the wisdom from? was the wisdom of God. Then beginning with Moses and with the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scripture. Hallelujah. Do you know all the scripture? It's so important that we know the scripture and then we can also take from the scripture a word for us. Hallelujah. Now first of all, the incredible Bible study Jesus had with his disciples. Now Jesus took his disciples aside and said to them, Now listen, we are going up to Jerusalem. 
Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Jerusalem is the city of God. But also, Jerusalem is the city of martyrdom. And Jesus spoke about very clearly in Matthew chapter 23, verse 27. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones, stones those who are sent to her. How often I want to gather your children together the way a hand gathers her chick under her wing. And you were unwilling. That shows us the effort Jesus put in in order to get the ears and hearts of the people in Jerusalem. And you knew how hard the people are in Jerusalem. He says, we are going to go to Jerusalem. And all the things about Jesus will be accomplished. And he counted these things. What else is going to be accomplished? And he says, and he will be handed over to the Gentiles. Jesus, as the suffering servant, is also pre-placed in Joseph the suffering servant. And is there any parallel? Joseph came to his brothers to Dothan and, and he was telling them all the things God showed him. The dreams he had. And it was wonderful. Moses, Joseph, he was so full of joy. And his brothers were what? Jealous. They were jealous. He saw, well, they will rejoice with me what God is going to do. No, they were jealous. If God shows somebody something from the Word of God and He brings us to the church and the whole world is rejoicing, what should we do? We rejoice all together. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't be jealous in any way. Don't be jealous. Now, they were jealous. And uh, then they thought, what should we do? And somebody had the idea, well, the best thing uh, to, to get rid of Joseph. Oh no, we can't do that, Reuben said. We can't do that. No, no. We don't want to lay our hands on our brother, Joseph. And he came with his multicolored clothes he had. And he was rejoicing. And there he comes, he said. There he comes. And the Bible says that it took him and they put him into a pit. But they did something because he couldn't handle this man of God. Jealousy can't handle men of God. Did you know that? They just can't handle it. And it's not a better way to, to kill somebody. No. So, we know Reuben said, we can't do that. No, no, no. We can't do it. And while they were eating, had, had a little bit of a barbecue, I could imagine there, and somebody saw, and we read it in the Bible, in Genesis chapter 36, verse 28. Then, some median, median, mediate, median, yeah, median, median, yes, uh, some of them can't get a word out. 
They were traders. And they were passing by. They were passing by. And so, we read the Bible, so they pulled him up and lifted Joseph out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for twenty shekels of silver. Thus they brought Joseph to Egypt. He was handed over to the, to the Gentiles. And the same thing, Jesus was supposed to be handed over. He said, well, I will be handed over to the Gentiles. And Jesus will be mocked. And all these things that his disciples heard, they couldn't make sense of the, what, what Jesus said. Because they thought, well, Jesus is the one who is going to uh, build up the kingdom of Israel. And Jesus, soon, soon, he will be the king of Israel. But it didn't understand the plan of salvation God had in mind. Jesus, the Son of God, experienced the greatest deal of mockery. You know what mockery is? Yeah? Belittling you and, and laughing, making you a laughing stock, you know, mockering. And Jesus, He was there and He got mocked. And the mockery about Jesus went so far that he mocked his omniscience. You know what omniscience means? His all knowledge. He, okay, if he knows everything, let's, pray a let's play a trick with Jesus. And the Bible says here, Now the men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking him and beating him and they blindfolded him and we asking him saying prophesy us now who was the one who hid you and the Bible says they were hitting him and they were punishing him and they were saying many other things against him blaspheming could you understand what Jesus went through that is mockery in a horrible way. And he said, well, and the Son of Man will be mocked. Not only this, he will be mistreated. If it was not enough just that Jesus would die on the cross, but he also had, uh, had to undergo a pain, a torture, and it was horrible. The penalty he suffered by being tortured and ill-treated. Now we see here, this was actually something the Romans always did. Somebody who was um, um, sentenced to death on the cross, he was, he was always tortured or he was scorched, as the Bible says. Now here Jesus, and that's the interesting thing. Remember, never ever was a sacrificed lamb abused, tortured and mistreated before it got killed. It never happened. But Jesus is the Lamb of God. He went through all these things 
physical pain and even so badly that his face was not recognizable. And if you read it there in chapter 53, what Jesus went through, that people looked away from him. They couldn't look at him. And that's going to happen. That's what Jesus said to his disciples. Another spot, I think in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus spoke about it. And all of a sudden, Peter stood up and said, Oh, no, 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 Lord. This never happened to you. This never shall happen to you. And what did Jesus say? Good Peter, you have a little bit of passion with me. Good. A little bit of compassion. No. Jesus said, Get behind me, Satan, because you mean all the things which are carnal. But Jesus knew what he was going to go through. Now Jesus was better born. That's what the Bible says. And Jesus made it very clear. This was the deepest humiliation Jesus went through. Not only, not only had he to endure the abusive curses hurled against Jesus, but even out of this of their mouth came spittle and they spat him into the faith. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine? Jesus stood there and it looked like as if Satan has his goal on Jesus. And he stood there. Why? Why? Remember what he said. Well, he was a powerless. No, no. With one flick of his finger, a legion of angels would turn up. And I tell you what, to fight against angels, ask the Midianites, you know, what they experienced when the angels came. Ask them. Read the Bible. What angels did and fought for Israel against the enemies. The angels of God. And Jesus could have had as I said, by the flick of a figure. A legion of angels coming and helping Jesus. And he stands there, powerless. People have tied him to a pole. And they are hurling excuses, uh, uh, curses at him. And then spit into his face. We read it in Matthew 26. Verse 67, 68. Then they spat in his face and beat him with their fists and others slapped him and said, prophesy to us, you Christ, who is the one who hit you? And Jesus said, nothing. Nothing. You know, that's the power of God. Jesus didn't start a debate he didn't say, how can you do this? Do you remember what I did? And all those who were uh, sick are healed. Do you remember them? Jesus didn't start an argument. That's the power of God. Hallelujah. That's the power of love. 
to fight against somebody who did wrong to you is an easy thing, but not to fight is the power of God. Amen? Hallelujah. That's the power of God. Perhaps the Lord wants you to learn something. I don't know why I should say this. I don't know, but it is Jesus. And we should become like He was. Hallelujah. And He didn't open His mouth. He didn't utter any, any threat against them. Think about this. The same face full of glory, full of, of compassion and mercy, who gave others healing. And I don't know how it looked like, what these people felt when they looked into the face, face of Jesus. And he said to this adulterous woman in John chapter 8, Woman, where are the excuses? You know the story, I don't have to tell the story. You know, where are all the excuses? Or accusers, where are they? Gone. And Jesus, if they're gone, I am not condemning you at all. Could you imagine? She looked into the eyes of a clean, beautiful, full of glory of God into the eyes of the Son of Man. His face was radiant of the love of God. Now this face was spat upon. We have an old German song, I'm not quite sure whether you know that. O Haupt voll Blut und Wund. Any Germans here who understand German here? Let me see you. Sister Christina, you should understand. You have got a German name, Christine. Yes, I always speak German to her. But it goes like this. It's very, very hard to translate. But perhaps, John, you understand German? Yeah, a little bit. O Haupt voll Blut und Wunden. Voll Schmerz und voller Hohn. O Haupt zum Spott gebunden mit einer Dornenkron. O Haupt sonst schön Gezieret mit höchster Ehre und Zier. Jetzt aber hoch schimpfiert, gegrüßet seist du mir. That means, in other words, Haupt means head. Oh, you head, full of blood and wounds. Your, your head that was adorned with the glory of God. But now, it's been horribly, horribly marked with a crown of thorns. Now all these things happened to Jesus and somehow this composer of this song, I think it was Dr. Martin Luther, I'm not quite sure, but it sounds like him and the melody, if you sing them, sounds like him. Somehow he was fascinated about Jesus and then how his face was marked so unrecognizable for sin. You and I 
we have committed. Think about this. And Jesus, and He said also, He will be scourged. And all these things He spoke about to the disciples in private, in a private Bible study. And He said, well, the Son of Man will be scourged. Now, scourging was a Roman way of punishing people pre-crucifixion. That's the worst way. But the Romans never ever scored any Roman. We can read it. You remember the story in, in Acts chapter 22, verse 25 and 26, where Paul was just about to be scorched. And was spending him on a scorching board or frame. And then Next to him was one of the centurions. And Paul said, is it right? Is it right to scourge a Roman? And the centurion said, stop, stop, stop! And he sent something to the officer. In other words, what are you doing here? He is a Roman. You can't scourge a Roman. And the whole thing was stopped. But Jesus was not a Roman. There was no law to protect Jesus at all. He was given over into the hands of the Gentiles. And it did everything with Jesus they would do. Now we see Jesus then at the end. He was killed on the cross. He was marred. Not to be recognized. And then he is hanging on the cross between heaven and earth. And all these things Jesus describes that the Son of Man will be killed. Not just die. You know there's a difference of dying and being killed. Yes? There's a difference. Being killed means forcefully ending your life. And Jesus said, this is going to happen. Lifted up, hanging between heaven and earth. And the greatest victory was happened on Calvary, on the cross. Amen. Hallelujah. And that's where we read that wonderful word in John chapter 19, verse 30. It's your special word, I know that. Our dear sister likes this word. Amen. And it says there, Therefore when Jesus had received the sour wine, He said, It is, who can finish it? It is finished. Hallelujah. What a victory. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is finished. And I looked it up in my Greek New Testament. And all the Greek, you understood what he said there. Don't you? Take the last tie. It is finished. It's been paid 
till the last cent is full. Amen. Hallelujah. And then Jesus says, and then the Son of Man will rise again. Hallelujah. All these things she experienced before Calvary were horrible, were gruesome. And at the cross Jesus died and He spoke this word. It is finished. Salvation has been accomplished for you and me. Hallelujah. You don't have to serve sin any longer. Satan has been defeated and disarmed. And my dear brother smiles because he knows what I mean. Satan has got no feet. He has been defeated. And he has got no arms either. He has been disarmed. Is it wonderful? Paul says it so wonderfully. Hallelujah! Jesus is the conqueror. Although he didn't fight with words or any way or fist fight or so, he overcame by the power of God. And that's why Paul was able to write in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, For the word from the cross is I foolishness for those who will perish, but for us who are saved, it is what? The power of God. The power of God. Hallelujah. If you only would trust in Jesus Christ in this very second, you will experience the power of God, the power of salvation, the power to be set free from every sin. And then he said, on the third day, I will rise again. Hallelujah. And I finish here at the moment with my sermon. I found somebody. You know, it's as good in the body of Christ. We are brothers and sisters. Amen? And they are no bigger, no smaller brothers. I'm a little brother, but not necessarily a small. Perhaps I am the smallest. Yes, I want to be the smallest. But then we have got other brothers as well who serve the Lord with all of their heart. And I asked my dear brother John to do something for me. And I want to conclude with this thought. Did you know everything that was promised in the Old Testament about Jesus, Jesus fulfilled it to the dot. And this was for me when I was in Bible college one of the strongest, strongest faith points. Jesus is the Son of God. Prediction and fulfillment is the undeniable proof that Jesus is the Son of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you some mathematicians here? Stephanos, what about you? Yes. Yeah, he's a mathematician. And I tell you what, if your kids can't understand something with, with math, send them to him, and he will make sure they understand it. You will perhaps understand my math as well. And I asked my dear brother John to put it on his little Bible, you open that way. My Bible opens that way, but he has a Bible that opens that way. And I saw you preaching also the Bible that opens that way. Or does this also open this way? Hallelujah. 
Okay. John, may I ask you to put it on the over? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's there already. All right. See, this is, that's the thing if you don't look back. But I always look forward. Now you see, rules of biblical prophecy. First, it must be outside of human possibility. So that means nobody else could be able and shouldn't be able to interfere in any way. And these are the things. So number two, must have enough time between prediction and fulfillment. Now, we can say it in the prophecy in the Old Testament, that there was enough time, something up to a thousand years, some even more. Plenty of time when it was prophesied, and when it came into fulfillment, it was perhaps a thousand years or even more in between. So, what's number three, number three John? Is there any? Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> Good. Oh. All right. Must have enough details to exclude any coincidence. So, it must have enough details. Now, did you know about the life and death of Jesus Christ? There are, and scholars say, 330 details about Jesus' life. And all these 300 from birth in Bethlehem to die on the cross and the scenery around the cross and all that was happened. There are about 330 details. Hallelujah. And Jesus fulfilled every one of them. Amen. Hallelujah. And then you tell me the Bible has been written just by man. Anybody could write it. No, can't you? You can't. That's why Peter says we have even far from firmer and more firm the prophetic word and you do well that you take care of it and look at it till the day when it comes. Hallelujah. Okay. So, mathematical test. Single prob- uh, probability with one detail. I give you an example. The example is this. Tomorrow it will be cold. There's only one probability. But there's two fulfillments it could have. The chance is one out of two. Either it is cold or warm. You would understand it, yes? And if the weather continues that way, it will certainly warm tomorrow. I don't know. But then, be multiple probabilities with two details. Prediction tomorrow it will be cold and windy. The chance is one out of four. So I would uh, show you here. It could be either warm and windy, warm and not windy, cold and not windy, and cold and windy. windy. There's only three chances that would be right. Yes? Okay, we keep going. A single probability is expressed in a fraction one and a half. Or one half. That means one out of two. Right? Okay. Now, multiple probabilities expressed in fraction 
with two details. Nehmen wir auf, one half in the power of two. Yeah, in German we pronounce it differently. In German we don't say in the power of two. We say it high two. That's in German. Okay, and that goes a half plus a half is a quarter. Yes? And then let's go to the Pardon? Pardon? Ah, no, times, times. It should be times, yeah. Half past times, yeah. Half past, no, half times a half. It's a quarter, right. With three details. It's half in the power of three. That is one half. It shouldn't be a plus, it should be a times, yeah. Yeah. One half times one half times one-half is one-eighth. Yes? You understand it? So there are eight possibilities and out of eight possibilities only one could be right. And now we do the, as I said, biblical scholars agree that there are 330 details concerning Jesus Christ prophesied in the Old Testament. And we take now this example. You know what the number looks like? It's a half in the power of 330. And none of them is missing. And you know what the number is? Can you read it? Can you read it? So, I, I had a number that is about uh, yeah, with 2187 and then it's 96 ditches. So, any mathematician here could read that number. What about you, Stephen? No, no, one, no one can read. But the number is there, isn't it? The computer reproduced that number. It's good to have computers, John. Eh, good. Any computer people here? David, you too, yeah? Okay. Now, how the computer did this, I don't know. You know what? Which means any coincidence of fulfillment is with this astronomical figure totally excluded. God watched over His Word. Hallelujah, hallelujah. That's the proof He can bring anybody. Hallelujah. And that's where I stopped. And my dear brother John, he thought even further. Yes, John, come on. Show us what the Lord showed you. Come on. Um, so I'm not a mathematician and I'm just a school teacher but uh, if we look at this number here um, it, like we say it, you can't say that number now I thought about this a long time and I thought look that's too big for us to comprehend and then years later on somebody give this example for us to, to put it in a practical way so let's say for instance this bottom line down here is silver coins okay so silver coins and that one at the top there is a gold coin. So the way that he's put this, and I think it's really brilliant for us to understand, that the probability for Jesus to happen by coincidence, it's not fulfillment of Bible prophecy, is the following. So if we take the whole earth, and we take all those numbers at the bottom of that line, and we take these silver coins, it will fill up one meter, the whole earth, one meter high, full of silver coins. 
That's a lot of silver coins. So we flatten everything out, the mountains and so on. We look at the spread, and one meter high, around about that, even if we take it in this whole year, one meter high, that's a lot of silver coins. Multiply that by the whole earth. It will fill the whole earth one meter high, and there's the one gold coin. Now think of this outside of your normal brain. We put all of this in a big tumble dryer before we fill it over the earth. And we take that one golden coin and we throw it in to that tumble dryer and it tumbles, tumbles around. And now we fill the earth with that. And we put you in a helicopter and we blindfold you. How difficult can it more become? We blindfold you, you're in the helicopter and we fly and we say, okay, we want you, we're going to land, we're going to go down, you're going to stick your hand out, we want you to pick the gold coin. You are blindfolded, it's one meter and you fly and you fly for hours. How long does it take to fly around the world? So you fly and you fly and you fly 24 hours and you keep on flying and you fly. You say go north, go east, go south, go west and eventually you come to a point sitting there blindfolded. You go right, stop and you lower down and you come down and you stick your hand out and you reach in and you pick out. What is the chances for you to pick the gold coin? What is the chances? I'll tell you what the chances is. It's right there. That is the chances. So just in a practical way to think for you that the probability for Jesus Christ to come and be the Savior in just only these few prophecies that He Himself makes, the probability thereof is that bigger number. So we serve the true living God in Jesus' name. Amen. Dear brother. A nice hand. Isn't it wonderful? So, that's how God is. This Bible is the truth. Amen? And your Bible, you have... Show me your Bible. Yes. It's the truth too. That's why read it and believe it. And all these things happened and Jesus wanted to get His disciples to understand it. Hallelujah. Let's stand. Heavenly Father, we thank you because we are so amazed about your wonderful words. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you did everything that was said by the prophets and even people outside of your realm. These people fulfilled your word, your prophecy. Lord, we thank you. Hallelujah. And that's why we have this word even more stronger and more firmer. And Lord, we want to look at your word. And we thank you for that word of God. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Who wanted to be in the helicopter? Steve, I think we take you, yeah? Oh, that's a dog. Yeah, and teach you a lesson, that's right. Okay, God bless you. And have a wonderful day. Now we have our agape meal. Don't go away. <laughs>